for go-getters and just going to betters. It's the pre-W Smith Show with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. All right. That'll get you up in the morning. Good to have you with us. Listen, uh, a lot of things to focus on these days, things to be concerned about, things to be, you know, asking questions about what can I do to help the situation? Well, one of those things we're all concerned about is climate change. And, uh, you know, we see the effects of climate change. We hear about it all the time. What can you do? Well, now we're beginning to learn that really, truly eating less meat may be something you can do. And it may have an impact. It may have a meaningful impact. Well, how much does eating meat affect the nation's greenhouse gas emissions? Of course, that is a contributor to climate change. We've got the story for you. Betsy Ladeschutz, now she wrote an article just recently published in Science News Magazine. And she's here to tell us not only about the issue, but perhaps how we may be able to contribute to improving the circumstance. Betsy. Yeah, so Science News had asked me to work on this story, essentially taking a data-driven look at our food's impact on global greenhouse gas emissions as part of actually a whole issue that the magazine was doing about food and climate. So my story was kind of a one, one small piece of this package. And what I found from looking at various scientific studies was that food really is a major part of this picture. There are a couple of modeling studies that found food is about a third of global greenhouse gas emissions. And so that includes agriculture, it includes land use change, which is basically clearing away areas of land that maybe weren't initially like farmland to become farmland. And it also includes the supply chain, waste, and all of the other steps that kind of are included in food going from like a field or a cow to our plates and then to the landfill after that, right? And meat is such a big part of this because it is really the most carbon intensive, particularly red meat and beef is what I found. And so one thing's for sure, at least at this point in the history of the human trajectory, the human story, we have to eat. So that's for sure. But is this about the choices we make that's driving the results or is it something else? I think it is partially the kind of system that we're in, right, where often the way that we get our food, it's not done in the most climate friendly way, whether that is because, you know, there are rainforest areas in the Amazon that are being torn down to become farmland or because uh, food is flown from other parts of the world in order to come to like where I live in New York City, I can buy strawberries year round even though they're not in season in the farms around my community. Right, right. Um, so that's also something that contributes to this. And like I can make personal decisions to maybe shop at a farmer's market or to buy locally, but I can't personally, you know, you, you need a lot of people to be making those kinds of choices in order to really send a signal to the broader market that people want to be eating or consuming food in sort of a more sustainable way. Sure, so if we were to call out some changes we can make or should be making. What did you learn about that? You know, what's a prescription for turning this around, if at all possible? Yeah, well, experts I talk to who do these kinds of modeling studies and who are like assigning greenhouse gas emission values to different types of foods really emphasize that you don't have to like go full vegan in order to right. have an impact. 
really any form of eating less meat can be super helpful. Just to cite a couple of statistics on this, my story really relied heavily on one study from Brent Kim and other researchers at Johns Hopkins University, where they modeled both greenhouse gas impacts of different countries and of specific diets within those countries. So they have this really robust data set where you can look at, like, for what is the average American diet, and then what is the impact of an American eating vegan or other kinds of diet shifts. So the typical U.S. diet they found、uh, takes about 2,000 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalents per year. So that carbon dioxide equivalent is a metric that basically standardizes carbon dioxide emissions with other types of emissions. So you get a sort of a more accessible metric there, and then. Going to just one meatless day a week, so just doing like a meatless Monday sort of thing, that brings you down to about 1,600 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalents per year. And then going full vegan is a much bigger reduction, so that is only 300 kilograms of CO2 equivalents per year. So you can see there's sort of a big range of what you can do there. All right. Well, interestingly, there are. Countries like ours that people like you bringing awareness of the subject matter to us and a good percentage, a meaningful percentage of the population aware of the issue, wanting to do something about it, wanting to see the issue curbed. But there are other places in the world where there's not that same level of awareness, let alone concern. They're also, in some cases, the worst perpetrators. Can you kind of paint the picture globally where the worst part of the problem is emanating from? Yeah, so there's kind of an interesting trend here, where you have countries like the United States and countries in Europe that have had similar food kind of systems and similar diets for a long time, whereas you have other countries, maybe those we might call developing nations or lower income nations, that are in the last couple of decades are in the process of industrializing, and so that might include eating more meat or that might include. You know, tearing down forests or tearing down natural landscapes for farmland, or that might include bigger farms and sort of more processed types of food production that all contribute to more greenhouse gas emissions. One thing that I did in my story was looking at the last 30 years or so of greenhouse gas emissions, and you can see that it's those developing countries that are contributing to kind of a slower an increase over time, whereas countries like the U.S. have been relatively static. And experts who I've talked to, who take kind of the global perspective on this, say that it's important to not simply blame those developing countries for having more emissions in recent years, because they're kind of following the patterns that have been set by countries like the U.S. So we really need to think globally about how do we support all countries in taking more plant-based approaches to food. While also understanding their priorities in wanting to boost their economies and take those steps towards industrialization in a more climate-friendly way, perhaps. Well, in closing, let me ask you this: Are you optimistic that we're on a path at all? But are we on a path toward arresting the problem and really doing something meaningful about it? I think we are. I think that we're seeing plant-based options sort of come into the mainstream more. At least, I mean, I live in New York City in an area where it's very easy to find vegan restaurants, and my partner actually is vegan, so we have to do that frequently. And I, I eat vegan all the time, and I enjoy it. But I think we're we're sort of seeing more of those like Beyond Burgers and 
tofu sort of people are becoming more aware of like how do you cook it why is it something that's good to do and other things of that nature and another thing i wanted to mention actually from the sort of business perspective that i learned about in my reporting is this initiative called the cool food pledge which is a a pledge that companies can sign on to to try to make their food options more climate friendly so whether that's like a big business that's doing catering at company events or whether it's like a school district. So that's another thing that companies can do and that there are a lot of resources kind of attached to this pledge that folks can look at in terms of how to enact more systematic changes to how they are providing food options. Betsy, thank you so much for being on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, shout out to all the scientists who like spend their careers modeling this stuff. It's quite extensive. All right, gonna head to a quick break. Back with more in a minute right here on the Pre-W Smith Show.